good morning um, to everybody and thank you very much for joining us today. Um, I'd like to acknowledge that we're important for us to be here today um, because this is the birthplace of the Ubuntu Declaration, um, a statement nationally about equity of access to education for all Australian children uh, and a declaration about not leaving children behind when it comes to education. Uh, it's uh, really um, important for us to be having this conversation. Every single child should be going to school every day if they're going to get the very best uh, out of their own education journey but also out of other areas uh, within their lives uh, in health in social and emotional well-being uh, in a range of other really really important areas for our community and i think that it's fair to say that um, we have had students who have attended um, sporadically across the northern territory or not at all um, and that's not acceptable and this engagement strategy that we're launching here today really is about a reset of that conversation. I might just hand over this, um, I think we're just gonna do a quick translation. We're doing that now. So today we're here to launch the engagement strategy which is a reset in the conversation about education for our kids in the Territory. We really welcome the approach to this strategy which has come from the community up. Rather than a top-down approach that we might have seen in previous strategies and approaches, and I thank each and every family who has been part of this, uh, educator, student, who's been part of this conversation from Central Australia to the saltwater country of the top end. Um, I'm going to hand over to um, Ruth Wallace, who is the chair of our expert advisory committee, uh, and also to Sizzle, who's the chair of the Youth Roundtable, who have both been part of this process. And then I'll give a bit of an overview of the, the goals of this strategy um, after that. So, uh, Ruth, the young people for their voice have welcomed us to country. It's a great privilege to be welcomed to be here today. Uh, it's been an honour to be the chair of the expert advisory panel. This had representatives from across the territory, from the community, from schools, from other parts of, of the government system that impact on schools, but also nationally. We looked at what was going on through the process, advised on better ways to think about it, but also partnered in the ways to develop this strategy that I think has got a true voice for the future of the Territory. Through the process, we heard very strongly from young people about why they had disengaged, what they, the challenges they were facing in schools, but also what they'd love to see and what they enjoyed when they were in school. 
also heard from community, from educators, and they told us many good things that could happen, but they were very blunt as well about the challenges. That has led to a process that has thoroughly understood what was going on for schools, but has now built a strategy that says it is through partnership, it is through educators, schools, communities and young people working together that we can design a better education system, we can implement it and we can live it. That's not a short-term process, that's a long-term commitment. And what I've seen through the program team that were running this whole process is a commitment to make that happen. Finally, I think what was very important about the project was it showed that where the partnerships, where the people were working together were communicating and were able to work from their strengths, those schools really blossomed and students had great opportunities to learn. We can bring that to every school in, this, in the Territory. That's a commitment that I see was made through the process and that will be an ongoing commitment for the long term. I'm the chair of the 2021 NTU's Roundtable. Um, I was part of the consultation and actually I took time out of my own personal time to go out and engage in other consultations as well. Um, personally, I was a very disengaged young person at school. I spent more time suspended from school than I did learning anything. I barely passed year 12, so when this strategy came out and the consultation started, I was very ill, very intrigued um, by the way the department has um, run the consultations. And it's very important that we realise that the behaviours and the disengagement we're seeing, we need to look at the needs of the young person and, and really understand what's going on behind why they're not coming to school. And I can't emphasise this enough, until we get this right, we're not going to get young people coming to school. We're going to look at families, trauma, domestic violence, until we meet those needs and deal with those issues, we're not going to get young people to school. But, yeah, I just hope this, this gets implemented correctly. That's my, that's my call. And that's my cry that this does actually be in, gets implemented and kids engage in school. So, thank you. Um, so just in, um, it did land on a range of really important areas that um, families, educators, and students all said were important around uh, relationships first and foremost, which is very unsurprising, um, but front and centre within this strategy. It is about having uh, their culture and identity nourished within our school system and recognised, and that is from our Aboriginal cultures right through to our very multicultural communities right across the Northern Territory, making sure that we are recognising young people in their entirety and celebrating their culture and their heritage. Um, wellbeing and inclusion, which is obviously, again, an incredibly part of making sure that students are engaged in school. And we've come up with four key goals. The first being working in partnership. There is an absolute real desire to reset this conversation. This is about working in partnership with our communities. It is about local decision making uh, through our school system. Um, and that is something that we are really absolutely committed to. So we will be establishing a youth advisory group to um, advise us at a high level around uh, our education system going forward. We will be re-establishing uh, Aboriginal advisory groups in our regions across the Northern Territory and being guided by them about the future of our education system going forward. 
we will be working to make sure that we're embedding cultural and two-way learning across our system. And I think that that is incredibly important and something that communities across the Territory have been crying out for. Our second pillar is about the right people. Um, this is about making sure that we do have the right people in our classrooms, from the classroom teacher to the teacher's aide, and to everybody who supports those students in that school. Under that particular goal, we will be making sure, of course, that we're expanding the remote area teacher education program, but we'll also be making sure that we are um, really strengthening the cultural competency training for teachers who come um, from outside of the region um, or outside of the Territory into our remote and regional schools. We will be making sure that we work with the Federal Government around supporting more jobs for local people within our school settings as cultural advisors as, and in other roles and we've had really productive conversations with the Federal Government about that um, already which is very exciting. Meaningful learning is our third goal. So again, working with the federal government, working to make sure that we are embedding uh, Aboriginal languages in our Australian curriculum. We have got year 12 students graduating in the Northern Territory with First Nations languages, with, with certificates in First Nations languages. That is incredible, it should be celebrated and we want to see more of it. We'll be working with the federal government to expand learning on country. It's very successful in the top end. We would love to see that strengthened and expanded through Central Australia. And probably one of the most uh, important pieces of work uh, for myself and the department, which is making sure that we are doing the work to expand secondary education options in the bush. Um, and that is something that requires a big body of work. It will be undertaken uh, over the course of the next year but it is an issue that we need to tackle and it's something that we need to get right. And then, of course, finally, the wellbeing of our kids. Um, we need to make sure that we continue to increase our school counsellor positions, but we are also working in partnership with Aboriginal health organisations to look at a new model for supporting our students out in remote regional schools. So this is definitely the start of the conversation. Um, we will continue to work together in partnership about how this is implemented uh, on a region by region basis. And tomorrow I look forward to talking to principals from across the Northern Territory about this being the foundation of the way that we work going forward. I think it's been an incredibly insightful process. Um, I think it's been a very honest process. And as a government um, and former governments, we all have to acknowledge that there have been um, mistakes and missteps in educational policy uh, over decades, uh, all well-intentioned, um, that have uh, had unintended consequences or consequences that we, um, or, or didn't get us the outcomes that we wanted to see for, for Territory kids. And so this is an important reset, it's an important way forward, and it really strips it back to what is absolutely the most important thing for Territory kids. Thank you very much for coming you uh, have a good look at it um, and continue to engage with us about what you'd like to see in education across the Territory. And I'm happy to take any questions. Um, you mentioned some missteps in previous education policies. It seems like one of the big issues is bilingual education that this seeks to lock in. Is that guaranteed forever? I mean, if there's a change of government, do, do you know how likely it is that this policy might be shredded in, in a few years' time? 
This is a policy that has come from the community. This has involved a lot of hours of consultation. Um, I would certainly hope that it wouldn't get shredded. Um, this is what communities want. Um, obviously, that's always a risk, but I think at the end of the day, when you are listening to the community um, and they are telling you, this is what we need to engage kids back in school, we need to make sure that we are acknowledging, recognising, respecting culture. We need to take care of the well-being of our kids. I don't think there's anything in this that anyone would argue with. Um, and so it is a 10-year strategy. Um, and we know that there have been other members of parliament, for example, who've engaged in this process in different ways. And I certainly would hope that, uh, that everyone would get on board with this as a foundation for, for moving forward. Have you reached out to any of your colleagues across the chamber though? Is there a uh, bipartisan commitment to this, to keeping bilingual education? So in terms of bilingual education, that's just one element of how schools can be culturally responsive. I, I don't imagine that every school across the Northern Territory is going to be able to implement a bilingual program. Um, it, it will be around qualified teachers, it'll be around a whole range of what the community wants. Um, and so there's a broader question here around whether we want our schools to be more culturally responsive. Um, and I think that there would be broad agreement that that's a, a good thing, um, particularly in the Northern Territory. But I certainly have had conversations with a number of different people across the chamber. Um, you know, there are certainly, uh, uh, there's a, an independent member of parliament who's been very engaged in this process. Uh, I certainly know the Shadow Education Minister has been along to one of the education sessions. And so I thank those people in parliament um, and, but more importantly, across our communities who've been part of this because it's pretty hard to ignore the voices of your communities. And just one more on bilingual education. It was a Labor Education Minister who first scrapped bilingual education in the Territory. So can you commit that the Labor side of politics, at least, will, uh, will continue bilingual education going forward? Absolutely. We are very committed to local decision making in the education system. We do support a number of bilingual programs across a number of schools now, um, and we will look to to support that in schools where communities want uh, bilingual education and other cultural programs. Um, but yes, of course, um, I, I think that there would be a number of governments who would probably look back and who made the best decisions that they could uh, at the time with the advice that they had. And um, you know, there's lots of programs around it all the time that promise to do lots of different things for, for the education of our students. This is about really pairing it back it is about local decision making and this is what communities are telling us, so it's, it's very hard for us to ignore that. Can you maybe flesh out a little bit more about what's involved in the Youth Voice Peak Advisory Group and the Aboriginal Engagement Group and, I mean, what, how much of a say will they have in this strategy, strategy over the next 10 years? So in terms of uh, the strengthening the youth voice in what we do as a system, uh, I think that's something that we actually do quite well already. Um, we do have student representative councils across our system. We've got a fantastic program in the Learning Commission, which is really, really strong, started here in the Territory and other jurisdictions are, are looking at and, um, and starting to implement their own Learning Commissions, which is fantastic. Um, but the most important thing for me personally is that this Youth Advisory Committee um, across the system, which is for this strategy and other pieces of work that we do, um, must be diverse um, and it has to also involve 
um, the voices of young people who are in flexible learning settings who might have had experiences of um, education in detention settings for example um, and lots of those young people participated in this process um, and we're very very thankful to them for that um, so this is about making sure that they have an ongoing voice at a system level in terms of the Aboriginal advisory um, the advisory groups across the Northern Territory. That's been a conversation that we've been having with some um, Aboriginal organisations for some time. We will flesh out what is the best structure for that to make sure that we've got good regional representation. And again, it's not just about this strategy, but it's about informing us right across the system around the decisions that we will make. Oh, you go ahead, just quickly, uh, remote attendance is pretty well agreed to be uh, a really big issue regions. Um, have you set targets for how much you want that to improve over the next 10 years or any goals that you can share? Our goal and our target for remote attendance would be kids attending 100% of the time. Um, I think we have to we have to keep that goal. We know that for you know for kids who might be attending two days a week or not even two days a week um, you know it, it can be very very hard to reach your, your full potential doing that. You, you will get the very best out of your education if you are attending every day. That is our goal. Um, but we will work on an individual level, as we do now, with every single school around what their particular challenges are, acknowledging that the reasons for not attending are exceptionally complex. Um, and we're also going to continue the conversations with the federal government around uh, the remote school attendance strategy and how that's working for our communities and how that can be more effective as well. I mean, there are, there are cultural issues why people in schools aren't attending sorry business, for example. Um, that's before you get to housing and, and those sorts of issues. So is 100% actually a realistic goal for a lot of these schools? I think the, the question is how do we structure our schools in those settings to make sure that we can continue to keep um, children engaged in, um, in their education, acknowledging the, the cultural obligations that exist and are a reality for so many Territory children. So whether or not we've got that right in every context, I think um, the answer would be no. Um, I think there's a lot of places that do it really well. There's a lot of schools that do that incredibly well, but that's about working with communities. We have seen um, schools who have changed their um, school hours, for example, around um, seasons and ceremony and cultural obligations, varying levels of success, but we will continue to work with communities about, um, about those sorts of ideas within an evidence base um, to try and make sure that we are supporting children to still get um, the hours of education they need. Is there not a number that you'll be measuring yourself against to see if you've been successful in improving attendance in very remote areas? It's, it's one thing to say we want 100% attendance, but you know, you're not going to be looking back in three years from now, five years from now and saying it's gone up 5%, 10%. Is there something that you can kind of put a number on? we've been working on this particular issue um, through strategies like Own Our Own. Um, we've obviously had a lot of students who have been, um, they might be in the 0 to 20% attendance and we want to move them up to the next attendance bracket, 20 to 40%. Um, and so that is in place for a, a number of different schools where we want to make sure we're continuing to progressively improve the education for those students. Um, you know, the, the question, I understand uh, the question that you're asking me, but obviously the, the remote education figures are very different from community to community. And so we need to make sure that we're very much working with those communities to make sure um, that we are 
lifting the attendance if you are in that zero to 20 percent band how can we get you into the 20 to 40 percent band and how can we get you to the 40 to 60 percent band so um, we, we are working in that way across the northern territory and i think having more regional directors on the ground um, from the department will help us to do that localized approach just on the secondary schools in bush do you have any idea how many you'd be looking at where they might be and how will you possibly resource that given that it's already a struggle to fill teaching spots in the existing remote schools? Uh, at this stage, I can't give you a number on um, how many and where. Uh, I think, you know, if you look back over education policy, again, there was a, a distinct shift to, to boarding schools um, after the Wilson review. and. Um, that hasn't worked for every community and it has not worked for a lot of territory young people who return to communities and then do not re-engage back in our education system. So we really need to do uh, that body of work over the next year to um, have a look at what's really going on, have a look at where we're seeing success and where we're not and what the options might be, whether that's boarding schools closer to, uh, closer to home um, or where we might be able to expand our secondary provision in communities. But it's a big body of work. Um, but it's, it's something we have to commit to. We have to start this journey um, because particularly with the lens of COVID, um, we do have more families who don't want to send their kids interstate um, for boarding school. It's becoming harder and harder. Um, and it's, as I said, it's simply not working for a lot of families in a lot of communities. So. Um, we're committing to the work um, to really get a sense of what's actually happening out there and what's possible. But of course that will, as you say, come along with um, capacity building for teachers and training and recruitment and a whole range of other questions for government. Can you outline a little bit about you know, the teacher's role in this engagement, uh, in this strategy? I mean, we know that there was a recent case in Millingimby where a principal um, uh, uh, altered attendance records to without oversight. The ICAC um, investigation into this teacher um, said that the NT's government's current funding model made it easy for them to do that. Can you maybe tell us if this strategy will either reduce those kinds of things or if there's going to be any other legislative changes to reduce the chance of those kinds of things happening? So, um, in terms of that particular case, the ICAC. Um obviously made a number of recommendations and the department is implementing those recommendations um, to make sure that we're strengthening that accountability through the system. Um, I think that our remote teachers and our remote principals do an absolutely incredible job uh, and a mountain of work day in, day out. Um, and you know, in terms of the things we're talking about within this strategy, there's a lot of remote schools where you can see some of these things working really, really well already. And there's a lot of other schools that can learn from them. So there's a lot of sharing that needs to happen. Um, but in terms of the teacher's role, in terms of the principal's role, we will want them to be embedding this within their schools and so they have a really big job in this and, and we will need to work alongside them um, and alongside their communities to make sure that they have really solid local implementation plans to do that and the support to do that. Um, probably further to your question around um, funding, um, you know, we, we continue to have a look at how the funding model works for particularly smaller schools, remote schools, homeland schools. Um, I acknowledge uh, the feedback that I certainly receive that it can be very, very difficult when you have a larger number of disengaged students um, to then make sure that you are doing all that you, you can do and need to do to re-engage those students. So we are having a look at that, uh, how that funding works and 
and uh, again a big body of work for, for us. Um, the Northern Territory branch of the Australian Education Union said there were numerous structural weaknesses within the Millingimbi School Government's framework to allow the principal to engage in the conduct that she undertook and those needed to be addressed. Can you maybe also outline how the strategy addresses that or were there any other kind of strategies in terms of how that kind of structural framework can change? So there are a number of other strategies that will sit alongside this. We'll have the education NT strategy that will launch tomorrow, which is a leadership strategy across the, uh, across the system. Um, and obviously that will be part of our leadership summit, which is um, part of the ongoing work that the department does to support our principals and our school leaders and to build capacity. Um, we are continuing to work with COGSO, who do really important work with school um, councils. Uh, who obviously also have a really important role in the governance of a school and our local engagement and decision making committees which are being set up around the territory as well. So there's a number of different bodies and the principals that have uh, a really important role in the governance of the school and we need to make sure that we continue to do what we can to strengthen those partnerships and to strengthen that support, um, particularly for, for staff who are working in uh, quite isolated uh, situations in remote communities only funded three, effectively that could mean that another successive government could come in and turf this out. Uh, why not go full steam and fund the 10 years? So we will, we will be going full steam. We are currently funding 10 million over three years for an immediate action plan. Um, some things that we have heard really clearly through this process um, that we know we need to be doing and we can just get on with now. Um, but we will be working uh, within our regions on local implementation plans and that will in turn inform where we target our resources going forward. So it's really important that we do that and that we don't preempt um, the, the rest of those actions and what communities want. Um, the, the schools in Darwin are obviously very different to schools in uh, remote regions of the Territory. Is it appropriate to have um, uh, a strategy that is for all schools and, and would it not be better to, to have separate approaches for, for different regions and different types of schools? In terms of this engagement strategy, um, these are things that we've heard across the territory, whether you're in an urban or a remote context, uh, and it is based on evidence. So we have, um, we have obviously had an expert reference group chaired by um, Ruth Wallace, which has been fantastic and a great working relationship with CDU. Um, we've also been talking to um, bodies like AITSL um, and AERO, the Australian Education Research Organisation, about this work as well. So um, I'm really pleased that we've got something that at its foundations is um, evidence-based. But again, it will need some regionalising in its uh, implementation plans, acknowledging that not every region, not every school um, is the same. But it also sits along the Indigenous education um, strategy, which uh, again is a strategy that is a longer term strategy, um, which hasn't been thrown out um, the door, um, but we need to continue to make sure that um, we've got local approaches, absolutely. And I think that's fundamental to the strategy that we're talking about today. I was wondering if you had conversations with the government in terms of their jobs. How much is that? If they haven't, when do you anticipate they're going to achieve? Look, at this point, we're having very early conversations um, with the federal government. I've had a fantastic conversation with um, Ken White just last week um, around the remote 
um, the remote school attendance strategy. Obviously that is a huge workforce across the Northern Territory as well and they are huge contributors to our education system. What that looks like going forward is something um, that uh, the Minister Wyatt's very happy to work with us on, which is music to my ears, um, and a range of other existing strategies where there needs to be a redesign. Um, we will be working on that with them and looking to partner with them on that to make sure that those dollars are best targeted. So I think it's really important to know we will continue to advocate for the to the federal government to always increase their funding in uh, in our education system in the territory. But there are some existing um, streams of funding that aren't, aren't being used, I think, as effectively as they could be. And it's really important that we partner with them on the future of those programs as well. Oh look. Um, in terms of how much we need, look, um, I'm not going to put a figure on it at this point, but one of the things, uh, there's of course a couple of things that we'd really love for them to do. Um, one is of course get on board um, to help us expand remote, the remote area teacher education program, so we will be looking for funding to continue to expand that across the Northern Territory. Uh, I think the secondary education piece is something that we will want to work in, in partnership with them on Considering that uh, education ministers from around the nation joined uh, each other here um, in Ambantua to make that declaration, I think um, it is the heart of the nation. Um, this is the place to, to start making sure that we are absolutely getting this right and making the necessary investments. I just have one question on about surrounding languages. We know that there is a lot of work to try and preserve languages that may be either extinct or extinguished. One that comes to mind is the Badam language, which a young woman, Vanessa Farrelly, is currently undertaking work with. Could you maybe outline about how the strategy tries to, um, you know, revitalise languages that may be at, at um, that may possibly be lost sometime in the future, and whether or not that that this speaks to that. I think where there are. Um communities who want to continue their um, their language and preserve their language. That's an incredibly important part of um, culture and wellbeing for students and communities. And you know where we can make sure that we do have qualified teachers who are able to deliver that program and where we can work with them to support that curriculum, we'll absolutely look at ways that we can do that.